may be seated. Before we go to to the Lord's word, I want to open us again in prayer. So let us pray. Father God, as as I'm accustomed of saying, this is not about me. It's not about my words or my preparation. But Lord, it's about you. So, Spirit, we ask that you would come and glorify our God. That you would take the preached word and apply it to our hearts. That when we leave here, Lord, we'll leave changed. Not because of the minister, but because of our great God, who is forever merciful, forever loving, forever kind, always willing to forgive, no matter what we have done. There's always grace. And so, Father, be glorified. And I pray for all this in your Son's name. One of the most common things in in childhood is you get cuts and bruises as a kid. I mean, it's it's it's, it's almost routine. You can't escape it. And even each of us, if you are a parent, a grandparent, a nephew, I mean, an uncle, an auntie, you know what it's like to see a kid fall off their back bike and skin up their knee, or to cut their finger. Or the hand. You know what it's like. And the kids here, I'm sure you know what it's like because it's happened to you probably recently. But when those things happen, when you get those cuts and bruises, you know, you treat them. If you don't treat some of them, they can lead to infection. The same is true for us spiritually. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I believe last week, that's what God's word did to me and to you. This living and active word pierced us. If you were convicted last week, if the spirit convicted you last week, then you were cut. You were cut. And a good friend of mine, who's a pastor, he told me, if you use the word of God to open up a wound in someone's soul, you also have to use that word to provide healing. You cannot just leave it there. You've got to provide healing to that wound. Because if you don't, it can lead to spiritual infection. You've got to provide healing. Our cut needs to be treated. And that's what we're going to do this morning. You see, because I left church last Sunday Sunday, saying to myself, it's not enough for me just to say, Jesus wants you to have a serving faith. It's not enough just for me to tell you that. I was like, so what? So what if he does want me to have that kind of faith? It dawned on me that we need to see what happens to a people who know their God and stand firm and take action. What happens to those people? What does it look like when I have a saving faith? What difference does it make in my life and how I live? We need to have something tangible, something we can grab hold onto 
to make it real, to make it lasting. And so, what is it? In Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, if you've ever been to a good farmer's market, it's like being in a fruit and vegetable paradise. I love a farmer's market. I love going there. It's amazing. And as you walk through the market, as you walk through the farmer's market, you never really think about the process each of those farmers had to go through to get all those fruits and vegetables there. It's a process. They just don't show up out of the blue. They just don't appear. There is a forming process that has to take place for any tree and plant to produce any kind of crop. There's a process. And the same is true of a serving faith. It's part of a process that has to take place in our life. It just doesn't appear out of nowhere. A serving faith. It is the fruit of a saving faith in Jesus. It's the fruit of it. In Ephesians, Paul said, what did he say? A saving faith is God's free gift. It's not a result of what you do, your good works. But it's a gift of God so that no one may boast. It's, it's free because Jesus Christ paid the price for all of your sins, all of my sins. He paid the price for it. For we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, being so rich, so rich in mercy, forgave us through Christ. Forgave us through Christ. Which means you can't put a saving faith on a layaway plan. What do you mean, Alex? It means you can't pay off your sin debt by being a good person. Well, God, I went to church. Well, God, I gave money to the hater relief. Isn't that good enough? If I just do enough good works to outweigh my bad works, can I get my saving faith? Can I get it off your railway plan, God, if I just be good? No. You ain't ever going to be good enough. You can't ever be good enough because Jesus was good for you. He was good for you. See, Jesus, he's not a bondsman. Well, you pay him 10% so you can get out. He's not a bondsman. He's much, much more. He pays your debt and does your time for you. You see what I'm saying? He pays your debt and does your time for you as if he was the criminal. That is Jesus. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. And when you receive it, When you receive that saving faith, it becomes the motivation of a serving faith. Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am divine. You are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing means nothing. You don't have to go to a commentary for that. It means nothing. Cannot do anything apart from me. And so as the Spirit helps you grow and become more rooted in your love and relationship with Jesus, it produces this fruit of a serving faith. It's a process that is at work within all of us who know Jesus. Also, a serving faith, it is the good works that Paul talks about here in Ephesians. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When you come to know Jesus, you become a new creation. Do you know that? A new creation. Paul says in Corinthians that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. What does that mean? It means the person you used to be, all the things you used to do, God says that person is dead. I no longer see the old you. I see the new you who is in Christ. And when you stand before God, he sees Christ's righteousness over you, not the person you used to be. It's who you are now in Jesus, new creation. And it's because you are in Jesus you do good works because God forgave that person, that person you used to be years ago. Because of that, that leads you to do good things for God out of the overflow of your salvation. And so a serving faith always flows out of that saving faith. Always. You see, a saving faith in Jesus, it's it's like the skeletal system of the Christian life. The skeletal system of the Christian life is what it's like. And the, saving, and the serving faith is the flesh that covers it. You see, our skeletal system, the bones in your body, if you didn't have those bones in your bodies, you would collapse on the floor and just be a big hump of mush. That's what you'd be without your bones. It supports us. It protects us. It allows us to move. And a saving faith in Jesus has the same role. It's what allows us to serve. It's what keeps you serving when life gets hard. Because you always got to go back to that. Jesus. To Jesus. It is the skeletal system of our life. A serving faith, it is a fruit. It is the good works. And also, when the Lord called Abraham in Genesis 12, he told Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. This is exactly what a saving faith does. It blesses other people. For all the ways in which you have been blessed by God, whether financially, materially, spiritually, you are in return supposed to go out and bless others. That's why he blesses us, so that we can be a blessing. Are you a blessing? Or are you just a blessing to yourself? Are we a blessing? Paul says in Galatians, 
Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season you will reap if you do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. A a servant faith not only blesses other believers, but also those who don't know Jesus. We are to bless our families, our church family, our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends. We are to bless the poor, the widow, the orphan, the outcast, the homeless. Right? Aren't we supposed to bless those people? Why? Because you have been blessed. Now let's take it a step further. Everyone here means everyone. I'll say that again. Everyone here means everyone. It is not meaning the people who are only nice to you. It means the people you don't like. Your enemies. The person who gets on your last nerve. You are supposed to be a blessing to that person. It's easy to bless people who like you. The person who talks behind your back is not. Love your enemies, Jesus says. Love those who hate you. Love those who persecute you. Right? Paul goes on to say, we shouldn't grow weary in doing it. We should look, take up opportunities to bless them even more. And here's the thing. God's word, it's not like going down to Ryan's where you pick and choose what you want to believe. Where you go to the buffet, you can get a little bit of this, you can get a little bit of that beef, you can skip, skip over what you don't want. God's word is not a buffet line. Everything he says, we all have to obey it. It's all of us have to obey it. Loving our enemies, it's hard to do. In your own strength. But if the Holy Spirit is at work, you can. You can. And so, we have to love people with more than just comforting and compassionate words. We have to take action. We have to love with our hands and feet too. Through our actions. You see, everyone who has ever been to a health department, whether here or in another state. You know, you, you go there seeking a particular need in any health department. And from, from, from my experience, sometimes you, go, you can go into, the, into this place and you feel less than human. Because the person who's helping you, they see you more as a file on their desk than a person who deserves dignity and respect. That's just from my experience. I don't know about yours. See, Jesus never treats us like this. He never, never treats you like a file. He never treats you like a project that he needs to fix. Your little, his little pet project. He never treats you that way. He never treats me that way. And we can't treat other people that way. You can't treat your enemies that way. Everyone who comes to this church has issues. All God's people have issues, right? And we want this church, this body, to be a place of healing for us and for everyone who comes through these doors. We want it to be a place where people can say, this is what I'm dealing with. And we can say, brother, I'm dealing with the same thing. I need grace too. I need forgiveness too. You're not here to fix people. I'm not here to fix you. I'm just a beggar just like you, needing great God's grace to live. 
We're all beggars. It doesn't matter where you come from. No matter what you have. The gospel says we all need grace throughout all the days of our life. You never outgrow that. No matter how spiritual you may come, no matter how much you know, you ain't ever going to get away from needing Jesus. Ever. We have to see people with the eyes of Christ. With the eyes of Christ. Not looking past them, not looking over them, and not avoiding them. But looking them straight in the eye. Show them the same respect and dignity that we desire. You see, by now, all of you know about the tragedy in Haiti. And, and the massive relief efforts that are taking place in our country. The other night I was watching the local news and I, I heard a, they had a report on a relief effort over in Decatur, Alabama. And the, uh, the guy that, one of the guys that were helping out with this effort, he said, it feels good to help people. This is what he told the reporter. It feels good to help people. And it does. And these relief efforts, they give us a picture of what life should look like every day. Where human beings learn to live more selflessly and intentionally try to help others. That's what life is supposed to be like. We're never intended to think about all of ourselves, our only our needs and only our resources. Life is supposed to be a place where we love one another, serve one another, and help one another. It's sad that it takes something like this to bring that out of people. Whereas every day should be that way. Because there needs are around you. There needs down here. There's needs in your community. You just have to have the eyes of Christ to see them. Have to have the eyes of Christ to see them. Not only just see them, but be convicted enough to take action with your hands and feet. See, life is so much more rewarding when you realize it's not all about you. When it's not, when it's not all about you. See, we think life, my little girl has a little swimming pool that we, that we play with this summer. And for a lot of us, that's, what, that's our view of life. It's just a kiddie swimming pool in the backyard. But life is an ocean. It's much bigger than your problems, much bigger than your circumstances, much bigger than your successes and your family. It's much bigger than you. And so it does feel good to help others and to bless others. You see, five weeks ago I had, I think it was five weeks ago, a friend of mine brought his whole family down to Lincoln Elementary School. And I think they gave out over 200 uh, chicken plates and chicken finger plates. Why? Why did they do that? I, I talked with them. I asked them why. Because the Lord placed it on their heart. And they wanted to bless the residents in this community. And they did. They weren't looking for a pat on the back. They weren't looking for a newspaper to come down and write a, a report about it. Because the Lord had blessed them. They wanted to bless this community. They blessed me because I got me chicken plate. So. <laughs> and it was good. You see, it's, it's hard to explain. But it does something to your soul when you serve people this way. I mean, anyone who's ever served down here, you know what I'm talking about. It does something to you when you serve without looking for anything in return. You see, as we walk in this saving faith, I mean, as we walk in this serving faith, we ourselves are being changed and ministered to. It affects us. You know, 
what does it do to us? Isaiah 58 gives us a clear picture of what happens to us when we exercise our faith through serving. Listen to these words. Is this not the fast that I, have, that I chosen? To loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor in, in your house when you are naked to cover him? Do not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing sprang up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your regard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking, and speaking wickedness, if you pour out yourself for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the, afflict, of, the, of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in the scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall re be rebuilt. And you will rise up the foundations of many generations. And you will be called the repair of the breach. Restore for the streets to dwell in. Here in Isaiah 58, the Lord is rebuking Israel for having a false sense of piety. Because they only cared about themselves. And yet they thought God was pleased with that. Because they didn't care about the needs and hardships of their neighbors. Pastor John Piper says, The point of Isaiah 58 is this. Piety that does not produce a passion for God-exalting social justice and mercy is worthless. It's worthless. To put it positively, God promises that we will break forth like the dawn if our piety produces a passion for social justice and practical mercy. If we pour ourselves like a drink offering for the oppressed, feed the hungry, house the homeless, clothe the naked, put an end to belittling gestures and words. This, this, is, this will happen to us in return. Our light will break forth like the dawn. Healing of our wounds. Righteousness in front and glory of God behind. God will hear your cry. He will give you guidance. Your soul will be satisfied in scorched places. Your bones will be made strong for battle. And Piper adds, we will be so warded by God that we become a spring of waters from others to drink from. God will use us to rebuild what has been destroyed and make a place of life and hope. You see what Isaiah is doing here? When you serve this way, it has an effect on your very soul, your very life. And so as individuals, as a church family, we should look for ways to be poured out like a drink offering. And we're doing that here. We're doing it. And we should continue to do it. During the summer of 1999, I spent two months in Johannesburg, South Africa. I was part of a college team of 15 people. And we were going to Johannesburg to minister to college students for the summer. The church we worshiped at was, um, on Sundays, it had a, a worship service for the homeless. And so after the regular service, we would serve the, um, the homeless in the community. We would serve them a lunch every Sunday. 
And after the, uh, the lunch, we would go downstairs and have a worship service. And on one of those Sundays, I had a great conversation with one of the homeless guys. He shared his story with me. He was college educated, and yet he was homeless in Johannesburg, South Africa, because he couldn't find a job. He said to me something I have never forgotten. He said, even though, even though I sleep on the streets, I know God loves me. I was like, wow. Really? Even though I sleep on the street, I know God loves me. Later that summer, we also spent a week in Botswana in a a small village. And we were going to help them build a church. And when I first got there, I was like, man, these people are poor, man. They don't have anything. But I noticed something about them before I left. Materially, they had nothing. But they were full of life. Full of joy. Full of passion. I mean, the kids were just running around playing all the time. And what I realized is that they were rich in ways that I was not. They didn't have the worries and stress that I had. And so I left that summer. It gave me perspective. That summer in South Africa gave me perspective. I was able to see life in the world through the eyes of other people. And this is what a serving faith does to us. It gives us a better perspective on life. Because when you begin to see life through the world and eyes of other people who live in very different circumstances than you, it changes you. It makes you more thankful. makes you more content. It makes you more grateful. It's healing to your own soul. So you begin to realize that no matter how bad you got it, there's always somebody close by who got it worse than you. And you should pursue that person, love that person, befriend that person, and serve that person. And so... It gives you a different perspective. The goal here is not for our own glory and praise. This is not why we're here. This is not why we do the things we do. Our aim and goal is for the people to praise our God. Because the people of God are living like the people of God. And see, none of us here should get self-righteous about being here. Don't get self-righteous because you're down here. And the the folks at the churches that you love are not down here. Don't think you're better than them because you're here and they're not. Because, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.5, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim as anything coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Jesus brought you here. Jesus will use you here. And Jesus will be the one who keeps you here, not your own strength. Not your own power, not your money, not your resources. It's Jesus here, and it's Jesus here. Always, until we cross over to glory. Let us pray. Father God, I do uh, thank you that the motivation and the power to live out our faith all come from you. And I praise you that you will continue to grow us in our walks with Christ. And as a result of that, Lord, we'll fight for you. We'll fight for your church. We'll fight for the things that truly matter in life. And so as we go our separate ways this week and and go out to our jobs and our callings, give us a burden for those who don't know you. 
Give us the eyes of Christ so that we can see the needs of others and that we will do something about it. Not so for our own praise, but because of our love and, and, and passion for you, Lord, we want to help. We want people to see how great our God is. And so, Lord, use us. Continue to use us. Give us all the things that we need, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.